Hello, friends. Welcome to Originality Podcast. I'm your host, Jessica Dalton, and joining me today, as always, is our show's awesome producer, Amanda Foster. What's up? Today, we'll be continuing our series, Speaking of the Enneagram, by talking about what the Enneagram cannot tell you. This series, Speaking of the Enneagram, if you've been a part of this, like, Thank you so much for being a part of it. It's been a fun journey of learning and growing and how we have conversations with people and and be intentional about loving people well as we talk about the Enneagram. In today's episode, it's going to be all about all the ways that people think that the Enneagram speaks to one thing or another, or they use it in a space that it doesn't fit. And really what does the Enneagram tell us and what is it not? Where does this not apply? Where does this not fit? And in doing so, I hope that in learning about this, that we can all grow together and being able to steward people better and love people well. So any initial thoughts, Amanda? I just want to know what can the Enneagram tell us? Okay. (laughs) What's the answer to that question? I was like, what does it tell us? If I was to guess, I would say it tells us maybe what our childhood wounds are. Mm -hmm, That's one of the things. It tells us our- Maybe. Yeah. I mean, like it has theories of what they could be. It tells us what our coping mechanisms might be. Mm -hmm. It tells us some of our strengths because of- you know, certain skills that we have focused on through those coping coping mechanisms. Yeah. Skills that we've developed. Yeah. Skills that we've developed. So yeah, that's my... <laughs> yeah. No, that's great. All those things are absolutely true. Um, I think my go-to response when people ask me, what is the Enneagram? How does this benefit me? It's the Enneagram tells us our subconscious motivations that we may or may not be aware of. And it, it reveals our blind spots. It exposes our blind spots. And specifically in the context of this podcast, we talk about um, spiritual warfare in um, our walk as believers in Jesus. And the Enneagram, I believe, can expose the way that the enemy, Satan, the demonic, tries to use the way that God has gifted us and wired us against us. It reveals the scheme of the enemy against us. It exposes that. And so um, that that's part of it. And also removing blind spots, it, it puts language to how the world encounters us. So that way we can go on a journey with the Holy Spirit to be who God's truly created us to be. So we're going to talk about this more in next week's episode on identity versus personality. But there is a core of who we are. It's who we were before we ever came into this world, that we were created by God with a purpose, with certain desires and passions and convictions and preferences for certain colors or foods, whatever. Before we ever entered this world, there is a you that is you beyond this earth. That is who God created you to be. And coming into the earth, um, we have culture and community and family that all affects who we are. Um, it's their their identifiers within that. And when we come to know the Lord, 
the purpose that we're created for is redeemed by Jesus and our identity becomes as we become baptized through (laughs) the dying to self and being reborn in Christ, we are reborn in God's purposes for our lives and who he has created us to be the aspect of his image that we reveal to the world. So there's a, a, but as we go through painful things, as we encounter trauma, we learn to cope with life by using our personality or our personality becomes the ways that we cope with life. Basically, my definition of personality is how the world encounters you through behavior or communication or just how, how the world experiences you externally. And there's a disconnect between how people perceive you or encounter you and who you know you, yourself to be at your core. Because sometimes people will say things or um, maybe you've experienced this where people perceive you a certain way or perceive a behavior a certain way and they they get caught up against it or rub against it. And um, But you know, but that's not my heart. That's not who I am. And it's our coping mechanisms, the way that we've learned to function in the world gets caught against the way that other people have learned to function or cope in the world. And we get hung up on that. And we, we don't realize it, that it's there. It's a blind spot. And so we don't even know how to communicate about it in order to move past it. And we just take it personally and get hurt and it divides the church and it hurts people. Um, so learning about the Enneagram, it's putting language to that outside structure of our personality, which can be uh, subconscious motivations, blind spots, coping mechanisms. Um, some of it is who God has created us to be shining through our personality. So the strengths, the things that we bring to the table, the aspects of God's image that we reveal that nobody else does, parts of that are in our personality. But really the Enneagram gives us a map for how to grow and and exposes the, the the not so nice things so that way we can heal from them and be able to love people well and be able to communicate about those things. So that is what the Enneagram is. <laughs> it's a personality. Um, people call them typologies because it's not an assessment. It do- doesn't make a great assessment. It's just, it, it's a, a personality typing system. And, and pers- so what's the difference between a typology and an assessment. So a personality assessment is built to categorize people based off of responses to a test or an assessment. Everything, <laughs> all, all personality typologies typically also have assessments. Right. But that's not what they were made. Like that's. Yeah. So okay. the Enneagram, the reason that people don't call it a personality assessment generally is because it's a bad test. Like it's not it's it's your subconscious motivations and yeah you don't spots. know how so to how answer are, how are you supposed to test for that yeah so because you can't you don't know when you're answering that you have a blind spot so you're not going to answer exactly that way yeah so and what other personality assessments or typologies do that makes which is why people call them assessments is they're testing behaviors and so um or, or the way, like Myers-Briggs is really, it's based off the theory of cognitive functions. So it's about 
the way that your brain processes information um, and, and how that affects your behaviors and your personality. So um, that makes Myers-Briggs a little bit different. DISC is strictly behavior. Um, and I'm trying to think of another one, strength finders. It's your strengths, which affects a lot of other areas of your personality. Those can be tested a lot more accurately because it's it's not testing. So so usually people say personality assessments when they refer to personality. Um, and when the Enneagram was introduced, people set, used the word, started using the word typology because personality assessment just didn't quite fit. Um, but that's what makes the Enneagram different than other personality assessments or typologies is it, it doesn't test well, um, one, and it's also testing a lot of things, not testing, but it's bringing light to a lot of things that are not observable. So that is what the Enneagram is. That is what the Enneagram is versus other personality typologies. Personality is just, it's how we interact with the world around us. It's how the world encounters us. That's what personality is. Um, we all have similarities and differences that are observable and can be described categorically. A lot of people, because people make categories based off of observing human behavior, people think, oh, you're putting me in a box. Don't put me in a box. Um, it's literally just observing human behavior and creating categories around similarities and differences between us. That is what personality assessments, typologies, whatever. That's what they're doing. And we do that with many, many other things in life. Music, for example. Music theory is putting to paper observable like similarities and differences that happen in sound. So that like there's so many other things that I could give an example to of that, but it's literally just personality is taking what we can observe from human humanity from inside ourselves is similarities and differences between us and like writing that down and bringing categories to it. And it's not putting people in a box because when you line it all up next to each other, we're infinitely individual and different. So I have a spreadsheet of 300 people that I have collected personality data from of their Enneagram, their Myers-Briggs, their StrengthFinder, their disc, their spiritual gifts and whatever else, uh, learning styles and love languages and a bunch of things. And it's super fun for me to sit down with like the, the a list of like 30 ENFPs and look at all the different Enneagram types for those, for that Myers-Briggs type and all the different strengths and categories of strengths for those types. And then to look at the disc types and then to break it down into further categories within that Myers-Briggs type or that Enneagram type. And then go even further with, you know, and we've even talked about just within the Enneagram, there's like 400 and I, I can't remember the exact number 400. I, I calculated it one time, the number of variations. It's I think it's like 462, something like that. But there's just over 400 variations just within the Enneagram of personality type. So it's not putting people in a box, but it is looking at the similarities and differences between us and making observations in order to help us grow. That is what personality is. What personality cannot tell you, what the Enneagram cannot tell you. Other personality assessments may do this very well. What the Enneagram does not tell you is who is right for a job, okay? The Enneagram is a horrible, horrible uh, hiring device. Um, because people make assumptions and stereotype 
using the Enneagram and then they assume that they need a certain person that kind of type to fill a role. You would just hire a bunch of ones, right? For whatever yeah. you want. Like a ones are responsible. <laughs> They're gonna threes, show up. Threes and eights get gonna... stuff done. Like yeah. like why why would you hire a seven? My like, my <laughs> Oh man, poor seven. Man. You don't hire a four. Like a four is just gonna show up all moody every day. Well, that's the thing is like that's such a stereotype. Yeah, Fours yeah, make so some of the best admins. Like really, really and truly, they're so gifted in that area. And it, it it's such a simplistic view of the Enneagram and a personality to think that you can use that to make good hiring decisions, it can it can be like a, a way of getting to know a person. So if you're in the interview process and you want to know the Myers-Briggs or their strengths or Enneagram type, that can be a way of like asking questions to get to know them a little bit better. But that shouldn't be the deciding factor. That shouldn't be like, oh, I need a three for this job. I'm, yeah. you're, you're a two, so I'm going to have to pass. Like that's, yeah. that's not, no. And people show up differently at their jobs anyways than... So, I believe that we show up as all five of the numbers that we're connected to. So you have your dominant number, you have your two being numbers, and then you have your stress number and your growth number. And I think we show up at work as all five of those numbers. You've got to pull on more of your personality in order to adapt. Yeah. And so it's you're not just one number in your workplace or like or in, in life really or in life or in any area of life and you pull on different aspects of your personality some of the other personality traits other numbers that you're connected to in order to show up as your best in e- each area of your life and the point of the enneagram is not to just be your number and just be healthy within your number it's to be more well-rounded and balanced and strengthen yourself by relying on the other numbers that you're connected to, by becoming aware of blind spots, by growing as an individual and growing in a number of areas. The Enneagram cannot tell you what someone's character is. It cannot tell you what kind of integrity people have. It cannot tell you what someone's talents are. Like there are gr- yeah. there are great artists and every and writers in every single number or mm-hmm. um, scientists or engineers or whatever, every single number. And we need people of every single number to represent every field. So that way, like teams need to be well-rounded, right? So you need to have different differing personalities on a team in every field. So we can't just send all the fives to be engineers like and, and think that that's going to fix things like yeah you need you need a team of engineers that's made up of like all the different numbers or of musicians you need all the numbers so the Enneagram cannot tell you someone's leadership ability they don't tell you someone's anointing they don't tell you about their relationships or the community that they're a part of the support system that they have they don't tell you about someone's life experience or their wounding what their story is their mental and emotional health their maturity their the wisdom that they carry like there's so there's so much to a human person beyond their personality and i think where people get hurt and and where where the downfall of all this is, is people get so focused on personality that they miss. There is so much that personality isn't telling you about a person that you're assuming about them through personality. And let's not do that. Like, let's just learn about people by getting to know them through time and listening and building trust, which just takes 
effort and intentionality. Like, let's actually love people well. <laughs> like, I, I think personality can help you communicate better with people, ask intentional questions, remove blind spots, help you realize where your personality hangups are hanging up on somebody else's personality hangups, and be able to grow in that area and be able to love one another better. But nothing can take the place of just getting to know someone and listening and empathizing and being there for people intentionally. And that's what we need more of in this world. And so please learn about the Enneagram. I love the Enneagram, obviously. I I became a certified Enneagram coach because I love it so much. And I love what it can do in people's lives and the difference it can make in people's lives in terms of personal growth and in marriages and in relationships and a number of other areas. But don't assume all these other things, all these other facets of who people are using personality. That's it for today. Tune in next week for our episode on identity and personality. I'm so grateful for those of you who have been listening and sharing the podcast. Please leave a review. If you have not already had the chance to leave a review, I'm going to be doing some shout outs over the next few weeks of people who leave a review and write a whole comment. And I want to hear how the podcast has been influencing your life, how you've learned, how you've grown, if it helped you figure out your type, if if there was something that stuck out to you, or if there's a favorite episode that you have, I would love to hear that. Um, please write it and leave a review. I cannot wait to see those and to share those. Make sure if you're not already to follow us on Instagram at Originality Podcast and at Just Loves Personality and make sure to subscribe so you don't miss a thing. I would like to close out our time together with a quote from C.S. Lewis. No man who bothers about originality will ever be original. Whereas if you simply try to tell the truth, you will become original without ever having noticed it. Until next time.